Welcome to the Middle East Update with Amir Sarfati. Amir discusses the latest news from Israel and the region through the lens of biblical prophecy. The original video versions can be found on Behold Israel's YouTube and Facebook channels. To make it convenient, we've converted them to audio format to keep up with your busy schedule. Be sure to also subscribe to Amir Sarfati on Telegram for daily updates from the Middle East. Amir's Middle East updates are based on the latest and most reliable sources, so you know you're getting the most accurate news. Now, on to the update. Yes, shalom everyone. This is Amir Tsarfati. I'm live from Southern California, from Los Angeles. And although it's snowy and wintry and nice and wet and cold in Israel, this is not the case here. It is sunny and beautiful here. Not too hot, but... Uh, very nice weather. I uh, I want for the first time to welcome our podcast listeners. This is the first Middle East update that is going to uh, be on a format of a podcast. And from now on, if you're um, if you are uh, listening to our podcast for the Bible studies, now you can also find our Middle East updates and our public reading of scriptures. So if you want to know how to join, just Look for the pod on podcast platforms, Behold Israel, and just join and subscribe and you'll get it. This is a wonderful way to be able to listen uh, while you're driving or wherever you are without access to video. But I do recommend always to get back home and watch the video because some of the things that I'm going to share today will be backed up with videos and, and, and photos, and it will make more sense to you when you watch it later. So uh, again, I'm excited. This is the first Middle East update that is also on podcast. This is great. And by the way, all the content of my Middle East updates and the ongoing uh, news that uh, we have every day, uh, we put them in written format once a week in our weekly newsletter, which you can also get by subscribing to it via our website. So it, it's uh, going to our beholdisrael.org website, subscribe to our weekly uh, newsletter, and you get not only ministry update, but all the news updates, all formatted into a written uh, letter, and it covers every week everything that happened during that week. So this is it, folks. Let's start with a prayer and dive into this super important Middle East update, okay? Father, I thank you for being a sovereign God, not uh, depending on anything or anyone. And all your promises are yes and amen. And nothing needs to happen in order for your promises to come to pass. You rule. Uh, you rule everything. And um, as uh, we watch the chaos in the world, we know that nothing is falling apart. Everything falling in the right place. And we ask that you will use this Middle East update not only to inform and educate, but also to bring much comfort and hope. Uh, to uh, your people. I thank you and I bless you in the name of Yeshua. Amen. So again, shalom everyone. This is Amir Tzalfati from sunny th Southern California. I'm about to start a ministry tour. I'm done with the book writing part of the sequel of Operation Yoktan. And if you haven't gotten, this book is not just a nice book to read. It is more relevant than ever. Everything in this book is coming to pass today right now before our very eyes. And you'll see as we talk. 
But um, not only that, but uh, I'm going to, I added a new uh, speaking engagement at Calvary Chapel of Santa Barbara this coming Sunday, 6 p.m. So if you're in that region, you may want to come to Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara at 6 p.m. And we're going to talk about who really controls the Middle East. It's a it's an interesting message that will give you an overview of what is going on and what is going to happen also, according to the Word of God. So let's dive into the the the, uh, the news, because I'm telling you, my Telegram channel is exploding every few minutes. There's news that are coming from either the European uh, uh theater or the Middle Eastern one. In the European theater, we're talking about, of course, the ongoing conflict on the border between Russia and the Ukraine. Ladies and gentlemen, just so you understand, yesterday, U.S. President uh, Joe Biden said the following thing regarding this particular event. He basically says, I'm not sure if it's a, if it's a, a, a threat, but he, he said about Vladimir Putin, he is short of a full-blown nuclear war. In other words, President uh, Biden, the 46th president of the United States of America, literally is saying the N-word, nuclear, um, to uh, President Putin. He's not the only one. Fran- France and the UK and other countries expressed uh, their concern and the consequences of a possible Russian invasion into Ukraine. All the intelligence sources are pointing at one thing. Russia is not just planning. Russia is in the final stages of deploying their forces to invade, not just into Ukraine, but to replace the regime in Kiev. Now, uh, courtesy of the New York Times, I'm not a fan of this newspaper, but uh, they they do have a nice map that um, explains uh, all the deployment of forces, Russian forces around the Ukraine. And may I add also, Further up on the left, there is Belarus, and as we speak, you can see the video, as we speak, the Russians are sending thousands of troops and heavy armored vehicles. No, not that one. I'm talking about uh, to Belarus. Um, This is the the British airplane uh, that supplied um, anti-tanks missiles, but uh, the Russian, there you go. Uh, look, the trains are loaded with cannons and, uh, and tanks and artillery and all of that. That's all on the way to Belarus right now for what the Russian call military exercise. Out of the blue, never planned before, out of the blue military exercise. And basically, if you go back to the to the map, you can actually see that the Russians are surrounding Ukraine from the top left all the way to the bottom left. And the only thing that is left to Ukraine uh, is the uh, former Eastern blockade of Poland and others. Uh, and uh, this is exactly what Putin is demanding America to withdraw from so he can really uh, get a grip of all the surroundings of, of the Ukraine, suffocate it, and immediately take over. And that's it. And so um, are we seeing a a nuclear uh, 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 a nuclear threat around us? We're not sure. One thing for sure is that Vladimir Putin understand one thing. 
Vladimir Putin understands NATO is weak, America is weak, and this is his time to do what he wants to do. He understands that all they do is talk and talk and talk. Now, just uh, so you know, Britain is sending um, uh, actual help. I mean, you can clearly see this. Uh, the eight different flights of C-17 uh, cargo planes brought thousands of anti-tanks um, uh, rockets. You can see the C-17 on the video. Uh, it's a Russian-speaking video, but you can clearly see how... Велика Британія передала Збройним силам України... Yeah, they're unloading, as you can see, all of the equipment. This is all from the UK, the Royal Air Force, supplying the Ukraine with a lot of stuff. America is sending stuff, and believe it or not, Canada is sending troops. Canada just uh, said that it is about to send troops to the Ukraine. Uh, look at the picture of the Canadian soldiers sent to the Ukraine. Um, America said it will send troops to the Ukraine, so... You know, when the U.S. president is saying that it is uh, going to be uh, most likely a war, uh, he's talking about uh, involvement of also ground troops, and that's what is going on right now. Um, as we speak, the latest news is that Russia is moving its amphibious uh, warships uh, right now, um, and um, take a look at the, the map that uh, you see now. These are warships that are, are going all the way through the English Channel and they are making their way to the Black Sea. Take a look at it. This is the, the route to the Ukraine. So they left uh, Russia's uh, winter port in the north, going all the way. They, they were pictured where you see they're now on their way to the English Channel and they are going to the Black Sea. Now, you don't do that. You don't mobilize forces like that unless you have serious intentions because you basically deserted your own ports unless you have serious intentions to use them. So, ladies and gentlemen, all the, all the signs are on the table of a Russian, soon, immediate Russian invasion into the Ukraine. And trust me, besides uh, financial um, sanctions, I'm not sure there is going to be anything done. The U.S. administration just few, I think this morning, imposed sanctions on, on four Ukrainians. Uh, two of them are parliament members in the Ukraine that, according to the U.S., they are working for Russia within the parliament in the Ukraine. So they're like spies and they're like agents of Russia. And so they have been sanctioned. Um, so financial sanctions, talking, uh, speeches, but that's it. Putin understand that uh, there is no intention of any country in the West. The West is completely bankrupt. Make sure you understand that during the presidency of the 45th president, Iran was a good good boy. Uh, Russia stayed uh, intact. Uh, North Korea didn't do much. Uh, China didn't move much. They knew there is someone who's willing to use his iron fist and 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 literally crushed the enemy. And, and the assassination of, of General Soleimani was a, such a huge step to show the Middle East that there is a, someone there who is willing to move forward with uh, actions on the ground and eliminate threats. And that is why during the 45th president, not only that there was no war in the Middle East, that, but there were th three peace treaties in the Middle East. Why? 
because America was strong, America was decisive, America showed that there is a superpower that is controlling the area. Whereas now, honestly, not just America, NATO, America, and the entire Western world is in such bankruptcy due to many different things, COVID and all their shift is on LGBTQ uh, and climate change. And they're so busy in, in, in staying inclusive and eliminating borders and dealing with, with high crime from the uh, immigration that they have. All of that is literally paralyzing the West in Europe and, of course, across the Atlantic. And that is exactly why that's the time for Russia to make a move. And Putin is all in with his cards right now, just so you understand that. Okay, so we talked about that. Um, um, it's time to talk about other few things in the Middle East before we dive into the main thing, which is, of course, what happened. Before I continue, I want to remind all of you that this is a Middle East update that will be on a podcast format. And uh, if you want to subscribe, go to our website, go to the podcasts and subscribe to it. And you can listen from now on to my Middle East updates, to the public reading of scripture, as well as to our Bible teachings on a podcast format. And if you do want to get a written format of everything I talk about, then subscribe to our weekly newsletter because that's the best way to get all the news together in a written format. And that's, of course, via our website, beholdisrael.org. There is a weekly newsletter that we send every week. In fact, 8 a.m. today, uh, Pacific time, everybody got this newsletter right now. Okay, back to our news. Uh, Turkey. Um, let's go back to our news. Turkey, there was a big blast uh, a couple days ago on the Turkish-Iraqi uh, border. Take a look at this uh, picture. It's, uh, it looked like inferno. It's, it's a huge thing. Basically, it's the oil. No, uh, I'm talking about Turkey, and that's, this is Syria. I'm sorry. Um, Turkey was a big blast. Nope, never mind. This is, uh, um, never mind. Turkey, big blast of an oil pipe. Um, and uh, if you want, you can look at the pictures and my full report on that on my Telegram channel. It's the pipe that brings uh, uh, oil uh, all the way from Iraq to Turkey and from there to the entire country. Somebody did something, it blew up, and it's not there anymore. Um, that's as far as Turkey is concerned. Uh, let's go now to um, Syria. In Syria, um, the port of Latakia which used to be controlled by the Syrians. Take a look, Latakia. It's on the northern part of the shores of Syria on the Mediterranean. Latakia was controlled by Syria up until, I mean, Syrian port controlled by Syrian. Doesn't have to sound so weird, yes? Well, believe it or not, but um, um, just a few days ago, uh, the Russians uh, told the uh, Syrians, uh, we need you to get out of here. Um, basically what happened is Russian military police forces have been deployed in the port and uh, the official accuses, excuse was that the fear of terrorist activity that could harm the port. Uh, according to Syrian reports, um, the background to the Russians' entry into the port is the attacks that attributed to Israel about uh, a month ago uh, on container complex in the port. But they also says 
that the Russians uh, uh, probably did that after the talk between Israel Prime Minister and Russia's president. And probably it is uh, the Prime Minister says, look, if you guys take over this port, we'll not attack it anymore. But as long as the Syrians are there, they are allowing Iranian shipment in and we won't tolerate that. So it is a big blow to the Iranians because they don't like the Russians, which which brings me to Russia right now, to the axis of Ezekiel. And it brings me to uh, basically the visit of the Russian, uh, of the Iranian president in Russia. Take a look at this. He landed yesterday. He went straight to the Kremlin. And this is the picture, official picture of the meeting. Okay. Now take a look at the huge distance across the table between the two presidents. Putin is on the left. Raisi is on the right. Take a look at that. Now, Omicron, uh, or it, it, does it show that somebody doesn't like somebody here? Because bloggers posted the following picture comparing the two, me, the, 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 the meeting between the Israeli Prime Minister last month and the Iranian, Iranian uh, uh, President with Putin, and you see the big difference. Last month, uh, Bennett with Putin, there's just uh, two feet away or three feet, and there's the flags of the two countries, whereas the Iranian president is as far as possible from the Russian president. By the way, make no mistake, there will be a coalition between with uh, Russia and, and, and Iran and, 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 of course, Turkey. The Bible says that this is the Ezekiel axis. We will see it taking uh, momentum more and more. But that doesn't mean that the Russians are in love with the Iranians or the Iranians are in love with the Russians. The Iranians went there to sign a treaty with Russia for a pact for 20 years. The Iranians want to make sure that Russia will be on their side for the next 20 years. The Iranians understand that the U.S. is just no longer playing any role here. The Iranians are dragging their feet in the nuclear talks in Vienna, and they're buying time to reach their nuclear capability. But uh, they understand that Russia is a much more relevant force to lean on than America. And that's why they take their time in Vienna, but they don't take their time when it comes to Russia. They fly to Russia. They sit there. The president uh, just uh, gave a speech at the, uh, at the Russian parliament today. So just so you understand, the axis of Ezekiel 38 is there. We know that the meeting between the Russians and the Iranians, the Turks, were always there. But now they are taking a shape of treaties for long uh, period of time. So this is very, very important. Again, I want to welcome our podcast listeners. This is the first Middle East update on podcast format. So I hope that all of you will subscribe to it so you can listen to it. But then don't forget to come back and also watch it. Um, I want to show you also something that's uh, going on in Lebanon. Okay, take a look. Um, in Lebanon, uh, Lebanon has almost no electricity, there's no energy, there's almost nothing there, there's no internet there. They're really struggling. So uh, the U.S. brokered a deal, which, by the way, exempt for the first time the Syria from sanctions about that one. And take a look at this proposed gas flow from Israel all the way to Lebanon. Take a look at this map um, that we, we can show you of there you go. First of all, Israeli gas will illuminate Lebanon's streets 
but Iran isn't leaving them anytime soon, okay? But take a look. The map shows that there is an old Arab gas pipeline that exists already. And now, instead of coming only from, from Egypt, it will actually come from Israel through Egypt, through Jordan, through Syria, into Lebanon. Isn't that amazing? Now, uh, <laughs> Lebanon wants to destroy Israel. Israeli gas is going to illuminate Lebanon streets. How about that? People always talk about, um, you know, why is it that Ezekiel 38 does not include Lebanon or Syria? This is exactly why. Those two countries are just almost do not exist anymore. And they, they, it's other countries that control them or they don't have the power to even stand uh, against Israel. So again, remember when it comes to the future war, it's no longer going to be uh, the immediate uh, countries around Israel. These are the countries that tried their shots two, three times already in 1948, 56, 67, and 73. But that's it. They're no longer the enemies of Israel. They do not fight with Israel anymore. Jordan and Egypt has peace with Israel. Lebanon and Syria are getting now gas from Israel. The next war will be the second tier, and that is countries that do not have borders with Israel. And I'm talking about Turkey, Iran, Russia, and of course, Libya and Sudan. So we move forward uh, all the way to our um, um, in, in, so our main topic today. A couple of days ago, huge attack, and that's where Operation Yokotan is very relevant. I'm not trying to sell the book. It's a, a, it's a bestseller already. I'm just trying to tell you that when we wrote the book, the fiction part of the book is now becoming reality. And uh, Iranian-backed militias are indeed attacking uh, the UAE, which is the fiction part of the book. And even more so, let me let me show you soon more so. But, but let's go back to the, the reason for the Houthi attack on him. First of all, I want to explain something. I'm coming out of the Yemenite uh, thing, and I'm zooming out to the entire Middle East, and I'm taking you all the way back right now to 632 AD. And this is where Muhammad died and his successors split. There was a faction that wanted to follow the most pious and the most important person in his group, that should be his successor, and his name is Abu Bakr. And there was the group that thought that only a bloodline of Muhammad should succeed Muhammad, and that is his uh, nephew Ali. And so we're talking about the group of Ali. They were called Shiat Ali, and that's why they're called Shiite. And there is the group of Abu Bakr that follow the orthodox way, and that is Sunnah. Sunnah is the straight, the right way, the orthodox way. And those the Sunni Muslims versus the Shiite Muslims, this started, that's what a Sunni looked like to the left. You can, when you see someone dressed like that is most likely Sunni. That's what the Shiite looked like to the right. And make no mistake, it's, it's no matches. I'm mean, talking about the Sunnis are 85 to 90% of the Muslim world, where the Shiites are only 15, 10 to 15%. That's it. The mother of Shiite Islam is Iran. The mother of Sunni Islam is Saudi Arabia. So, so the conflict is between Iran and Saudi Arabia, and not necessarily on 
on on land or on economy. It's a religious conflict that goes back to the 7th century AD. And more Muslims were killed by each other in this Sunni-Shiite conflict than they were ever killed by any other religion uh, or any other religious group. So now you understand why there is animosity between Iran and Saudi Arabia and the Iranian militias and the Iranian proxies will always fight against the Sunni forces that is either Saudi or anyone that is related to Saudi Arabia. Now you understand. Seven years ago, um, the Iranian-backed militias in Yemen started a, uh, a war, took over the capital, Sana'a, and took over uh, almost half of the country. And the battle right now is on Mareb, which is the oil-rich uh, city, which is still controlled by the government. And for the last seven years, we're talking about millions of displaced people, hundreds of thousands of people killed, starvation. The Houthis are killing raping, decapitating, uh, they just starving people. They do crimes against humanity. And this is why the 45th president of the United States declared the Houthis as a terrorist organization. And guess what happened? First week of the 46th president's, uh, president in the White House, he overturned it and took the Houthis out of the list of terrorist organization. And this is exactly why everything that we see here is happening because they're not even treated and, and, and held as a terrorist organization anymore by America and the rest of the world. And, and they were emboldened by it, okay? Now, take a look, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the UAE took part of the Saudi coalition against the Houthis, but they stopped in uh, uh, a few years ago, they just resumed their participation in the last few months. And this is exactly what the Yemenites got the order from Iran, go and strike UAE. And two days ago, yes, uh, no, yes, it was uh, yesterday, I think, if I'm not mistaken, we are talking about a strike that involved um, uh and I'm talking about uh, ballistic missiles. I'm talking about uh, 20 drones and um, 10 ballistic, heavy ballistic missiles that were fired at the United Arab Emirates at Abu Dhabi. They hit the international airport, international seaport, and the um, and the um, um, a, uh, industrial area. Over there, uh, in uh, uh, in uh, <clears throat> in Abu Dhabi, in Abu Dhabi, and that's these are the pictures that you see. Um, there's another video. I don't know if we saw it. Uh, yeah, it, that is going on. Yeah, and this is the view in Abu Dhabi of the explosion uh, in the um, um, industrial area. And just so you know, there were casualties. They were not Arabs. They were Pakistani and Indians who are the majority of the foreign workers there in that um, energy field. Um, but this was a direct hit at the soft belly of Abu Dhabi, which is the international um, area of, of many, many foreign, uh, foreign uh, companies. Basically, it was a double message. One message is don't fight against the Houthis. 
The second message is you're also paying for your friendship with Israel. The United Arab, the United Arab Emirates already um, asked America to put the Houthis back on the terrorist list so it will stop completely the flow of rockets and drones from Iran because these rockets and drones are Iranians. Make no mistake, Iran sent it. Iran ordered it to be uh, fired. Iran is all, doing all of that. Iran is a master in keeping its own hands clean, but yet sowing terror all across the Middle East. And that is exactly what we see. Iran doesn't want to anger its new patron, China. They signed a deal for ha half a century, I think, and they don't want to anger anyone. So they do their dirty job via their proxies, and that is exactly what we are watching. They are The Iranians understand that there is no one on the other side that can oppose them. America is weak. The NATO is weak. The West is weak. And now they can do whatever they want. Not only that they hit the soft belly of Abu Dhabi, but they are now sending, using psychological warfare, they're sending messages to Dubai. Dubai is known as the Vegas of the Arab world. Dubai is the playground. Dubai is the business and pleasure. It's not just the oil and, uh, you know, all of that. It's, it's where, it's the playground. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been to Dubai. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is Vegas of Arabia. And this is why this book is so important, because I describe here in the fiction part something that when I woke up yesterday, I, I couldn't believe it. Take a look at this psychological warfare that they are now using. Take a look at these pictures that they are posting right now. They post a Yemenite uh, barefoot soldier in the photo montage they're showing the luxury of dubai and basically they're saying we are way above you and we can destroy you now how can we destroy you take a look they actually show drones that are flying but more so they are actually showing uh i don't know if i have the picture of how they are targeting burj khalifa yep there you go burj khalifa and drones Ladies and gentlemen, they basically put the cross of the target on Burj Khalifa. Now, I don't want to spoil your reading, but ladies and gentlemen, this book has a drone attack on Burj Khalifa. I'm not going to tell you what happened. It's for you to read. But I, when we wrote this, it was fiction. But when we wrote it, we knew this is a very, very realistic option. And now, not us. It's the Arab, Yemenite, Shiite Muslims that are posting these things, not just to scare Abu Dhabi as the uh, oil-rich place, but Dubai, the, 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 the other emirate over there. And they are basically telling the whole world, if you think Dubai is out of our range, if you think Dubai won't get hurt, expect that to happen. And so uh, they show that. There's even a picture of a Yemenite that works in Dubai right now. Take a look at him. Look, he's holding his fist, and behind him is Burj Khalifa. And he sent that picture as a, a subtle threat to say not only that we can shoot uh, drones to hit Burj Khalifa, some of us are actually on the ground in Dubai to finish the job if we need to. So you understand that uh, 
psychological warfare is playing a big role right now. Their aim is to scare the Emirates, to scare the Sunni Axis, to scare Saudi Arabia. Some of you hear of some new relations between Iran and Saudi Arabia. This is just on the surface. The Saudis don't believe a word that the Iranians are saying. The Iranians don't believe a word that they say because the Iranians eventually, it goes back to the Sunni-Shiite conflict from 632 AD. The Iranians will not accept Sunnah and the Sunni Islam to be the dominant faction in Islam. The Iranians don't hide their intention to one day take over Mecca and Medina. They are saying that. So um, um, we have that one going on. Another thing, by the way, about Operation Yurtan, one of the things that we describe in that book is the assassination of uh, Mahmoud al-Mavkukh. Um, the uh, the Hamas liaison between Iran and the Palestinians. And, and yesterday we celebrated the 12th anniversary to his killing by Mossad agents in uh, in Dubai, in uh, in the hotel called uh, uh, El Bustan. And if you want to read the whole story, our team of Mossad agents of of in my book is the one that killed. Uh, and this is a big part of the book itself. I, I'm saying that not to push the book, but just to show you that even when you write fic- fiction in uh, about the Middle East, it, it can easily turn into, um, into a reality very fast. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to understand nothing that is happening, neither in the European theater nor in the Middle East right now, is out of God's control. Israel is held weak right now. America is held weak right now. Russia is emboldened. Iran is emboldened. Turkey will soon be emboldened. We are watching a changing world before our very eyes. And I need you to understand that these things were foretold, not that we will just read, but that we will understand and we will get ready and I've said that so many times, our world has two parallels. The world events, which were already told, foretold. What do you mean foretold? I mean, God saw it happening already. We cannot change it. There will be a war. There will be an antichrist. There will be a tribulation. There will be can. These things will happen. The question is, where are you going to be when these things happen? Your decision, our decision today to follow Christ will determine where we will be when all of these things will take place. So I want to encourage you when we see all these things happening, and there's so much more that I'm, if you can follow me on Telegram, please, you will read every day, always more and more and more news. I just want you to know, folks, that these things are going to happen. But remember what the Gospel of John says, that Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulations. But don't stop there. He said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We need to be encouraged that our victory is already promised because he overcame the world. In our soon rapture is promised. Is one of those promises that we need to hold on to because those events are leaving no doubt that it is very, very, very soon. I want to encourage you to um, stick to the scriptures and not be 
panicked by all that is going on around the world. I want you to understand that things are not falling apart. They're falling in the right place, as my good friend Jan Markell always say. I want to encourage you folks to uh, not not forget that beyond COVID, COVID is, I believe, coming to an end this year. Omicron infected most of the world. You're going to see more and more countries uh, taking away most of the mandates because this is it. We're going to move to a post-COVID world very, very soon. But the question is, how will we remain after all of that, weaker than ever or stronger than ever? I want you to know that the things that were prophesied, the things that were promised, the things that were foretold are the most important thing that we need to look at and hold on to. And if Ezekiel promised something that it is way more important for me to talk about Ezekiel than to talk about anything else that people are talking about in the last two years. So let's hold on to our, uh, uh, let's hold to our, to our promise for he who promised is faithful. Let me uh, remind you all that this uh, is the first time we do podcast uh, as a Middle East update on podcast. Subscribe to our podcast via our website and uh, or any platform of podcast. Also subscribe to our newsletter. And for um, those of you that uh, are they live in uh, Santa Barbara area, I will be teaching this coming Sunday. It wasn't anything that we planned. Uh, 6 p.m. at Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara. So come and join us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance towards you and give you his peace. It's not a peace that the world can give. It's not a peace that the world can even understand. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It can only come from the Prince of Peace, who is the Lord of Peace, who can give you peace even now and forever, here and everywhere. And his name is Yeshua, is our peace. And I pray that in his name. Amen. Share this uh, Share this as, as much as you can with as many people as you can. Thank you. God bless you. I love you. And we'll uh, continue this uh, ministry tour here in the United States. And uh, we're planning also our Canada, UK, South Africa, Brazil, India, Philippines. All of these tours will happen this year, God willing. Thank you. God bless you. And shalom from Southern California. Bye-bye.